Everyone seems to think this thing is very lopsided as far as talent is concerned. I disagree. Georgia might have more NFL players, but we're not playing in the NFL right now. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. It's the final weekday before we get to the weekday that hosts the national championship. We hope that you're having a wonderful day and we hope that you're just looking forward to this weekend as much as we are. We are wheels up. Not by way of a private jet, so I probably shouldn't say Wheels Up. Uh, Wheels Up's a tremendous company, but no, we're Wheels Up via American. Uh, Through Dallas, through Charlotte, I don't know where Jack's coming from. I would imagine he's probably sitting 26E, but we're going to be there in Los Angeles. Very much looking forward to getting boots on the ground and getting you prepared and everyone else prepared for the national championship game, TCU and Georgia leaving today as well. They arrive with media day obligations coming up tomorrow morning. TCU is from 9 to 10 local. Georgia is from 10.30 to 11.30 local. They have that 30-minute buffer just in case there's no fisticuffs go down out there in the loading dock. But it should be a blast. I'll be on that show, so I'm looking forward to being alongside Matt Berry and Sam Acho and Joey Galloway, amongst many others. In that show as well. So it's a great show that we have in store for you today. However, we're going to tell you a little bit, little, little bit what we're going to be doing throughout the weekend, like who's coming on, what we're expecting. We'll tease that some, but the big thing that we want to do today is we want to break down the game and we're going to hit it from a gambler's perspective, not against the spread picks. We'll make our picks on Monday, but what we are going to do is we're going to go over some player props. There's a few out there, especially as far as the values concerned that I think are pretty good. And look, not to like pat myself on the back at all. I've been nails with player props this year. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it's been like the best year ever with player props, including that of the semifinal games last weekend. There were a bunch out there and we ended up doing pretty good. So we'll give it a whirl today as well. So without much further ado, it's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. All right, the national championship. What a game it's going to be. Everyone's looking at the spread, thinking, you know what, might get sideways. Continue to doubt the TCU Horn Frogs and be prepared to eat crow. That's all I would say. I'm not picking TCU and I'm not picking Georgia. Not right now, at least. You'll get that on Monday's edition of Always College Football. But we are going to go through some key things that need to be done for each team in order to secure a championship. You good with that? Let's start with the underdogs, the TCU Horn Frogs. We all know that their bread and butter is on the offensive side of the football. But let's not get it twisted. This is a group defensively that's done an outstanding job. They really have. They have done an outstanding job when they've absolutely had to have it. And I think there's been several occasions this year in which this defense has acknowledged the challenge that's at hand, and they've actually gone out and kind of put their best foot forward on the biggest possible stage. Now, you're going to sit there and say, well, they gave up a bunch of points to Michigan. I'm not denying that. They also created 14 of their own with interceptions to the house. I mean, those are pivotal plays. Those plays, in and of itself, I don't care. Give up 100 yards. That's fine. If you get a pick six, fine. Give up 200 yards if you give up. If you get two, I'm great with that. So I think this defense has been up to the challenge every single opportunity that's presented itself. But let's start with their offense because that's really the 
That's the reason why they're here. If you really want to look at it a little bit deeper, we all know it starts with the quarterback position. Max Duggan has been phenomenal all year long, continues to be phenomenal. Great leadership, great poise, great toughness, and a willingness to run that I think could be impactful in this game. That's the first key for the TCU Horn Frogs. If they're going to pull the upset, Max Duggan has to be sensational. And guess what? Odds are he's probably going to be based on how he's played this year. Look at how C.J. Stroud against Georgia. What did he do so masterfully throughout the course of that game? He was able to move in the pocket, even though, look, your offensive line is not going to win every rep against Georgia's defensive line. Not going to happen. It's just flat out not going to happen. And there's also going to be situations in which the defensive coordinator for Georgia, whether it be Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart, any of those three that come up with the defensive plan, they're going to get guys unblocked that are going to breathe fire at you by overloading your protection. So what is the quarterback that's playing against that attacking style defense? What does he have to do? He's got to be really good, extending plays, making off schedule plays, moving in the pocket, and still keeping his eyes downfield. Max Duggan's done that time and time again. C.J. Stroud hadn't done that, but he did it in the semifinal game, and it gave Georgia a whole host of issues. That's the first key. The second key, they have to try. They absolutely have to try. It might not be successful. And to be honest with you, it probably won't be successful. But they have to try to create some balance offensively. Now, everybody said that TCU wouldn't be able to run it against Michigan. They were wrong. And they were also wrong in the sense that they'd say, well, Kendry Miller's going to be the guy that's running it. Not so fast, my friend. Amari DiMarcato was able to fill in for the injured Kendry Miller and put up some career best numbers in some cases. So I think when you look at what Amari DiMarcato is versus what Kendry Miller is, and look, we're going to operate in this breakdown under the assumption that Kendry Miller is going to play and that he's going to be at 100%. Why? Because why not? <laughs> we live in fantasy land. Let's just hope he's available. He's got that right knee issue. Let's hope he can play. Let's hope he can have a huge contribution to the game. He's a bit more patient as a runner. DeMarcado's a guy that really hits the hole at 100 miles an hour, but he's also very good in the open field as well. Plus, he grew up a couple minutes from downtown. So that's a very exciting thing about where he's playing in his own backyard. So they have to stay committed and patient to the run game because if you become one-dimensional against Georgia, I still think that can be a real problem. Three, offensively for TCU, they cannot, under any circumstances, they cannot leave their offensive linemen on islands. This is a really underappreciated group nationally. At left tackle, Brandon Coleman, they have really good players along the interior as well. Some very, very solid pieces on this TCU offensive line. However, if you get put on islands, and this goes for anybody, if you're in one-on-one -on -one against Georgia's defensive line, guess what? You could be the New York Giants, and you're probably still going to lose a majority of those reps. It's not your fault. It's just when you have great players up front, like Jalen Carter, like Nazir Stackhouse, uh, you know, like Robert Beal, if he slides inside, like Michael Williams, if they get in one-on-ones, guess what? There's big issues for the TCU offense. So those are the three keys, I think, for TCU in the interior. And then on the outside, the fourth key and final key, you got to win your one-on-one matchups 
with your personnel. Georgia's found out, or at least they found out last week, that the deep cross over route can be a problem for them. Now, the beauty is for Georgia, those routes take a long time to develop and probably not going to be able to hold up in protection forever if you're going to hit that route consistently. That is a route that TCU has in their arsenal. They actually utilize a little bit more of the shallow cross, which doesn't take quite as long, but is very effective of providing answers to both receiver and to quarterback as well. But nonetheless, they got to stop the receivers from going across the field. Georgia does. And TCU, they got to take advantage of that. They hit some big plays with that exact route against Michigan, and it led to some big plays down the field. There's going to be some one-on-ones down the field as well that they're going to have to win because I think they had to create a lot of chunk yardage if they're going to win the game. Those are the four keys for TCU's offense, okay? Can't win on island, stay committed to the run game. Max Duggan's got to play out, out of his mind. They got to win some matchups in the one-on-one. They got to be able to get the crossers, okay? Those are the big keys for TCU's offense. For Georgia's defense, going up against that offense, I think it's fairly simple. Apply pressure, win those one-on-ones. It's a lot of the same keys, I might add. Apply pressure. When you do get behind the offensive line and you are running unabated to the quarterback, finish. How many different examples there in the semifinal game against Ohio State? Did you see a defensive tackle for Ohio State? Their defensive tackle for Georgia getting behind the guard of Ohio State with a free run, breathing fire at CJ Stroud, only to completely whiff. CJ moves around a little bit and finds a guy open downfield. I counted five. Five different times in which there was a guy running in preparation of either making a sack or forcing a fumble or, shoot, if nothing else, forcing an incompletion, only to see it turn into a positive play because they couldn't finish. That's two. You got to finish when you get there. Three, they cannot give up those long, explosive catch and runs. There were a few examples in which they hit guys across the field and you're seeing guys getting open downfield. Can't have that happen. All right. Four, don't be so physical. I understand, look, it's a national championship, but clearly based on the most recent performance, If you're as physical as they were on some of the downfield stuff, you're going to get flagged. And there were a few different examples of which they got flagged. So you got to be very careful with that. And five, they have to, have to play games with Max Duggan's eyes. They got to give different looks and then shift right at the snap. This is an offense that's predicated off of numbers and leverage and matchups. All right. But if you think you have something and you make a pre-snap decision and the defense changes at the snap and it causes a little bit of confusion for the opposing quarterback, that can be really problematic. If Max Duggan is confused as he catches the snap, guess what? That's bad ball for TCU, an offense that wants to use a ton of rhythm and a ton of just quick completions to get the chains moving and to get them into their offensive sets. So I think that those are the keys when TCU's offense is on the ball against when Georgia's offense is on the ball, or Georgia's defense is on the ball. So those are the keys to me. Let's move to the other side now. Georgia offense keys against TCU's defense. Key number one for Georgia's offense, stay on schedule. There were a lot of examples for Michigan in which TCU had a run through defensively and they forced a negative play and forced Michigan off schedule. Now, ultimately, most of the time, Michigan was able to figure it out and figure get it done. But either way, you got to stay on schedule if you're Georgia. You're a methodical bunch. You're a group that's been really good through the year and on the ground this year, a little bit more through the year than in years past. But either way, staying on schedule will be your best friend 
in a game like this. Because if you get behind the sticks and you start to allow TCU to unleash their athleticism, it could be a lot trickier than you might imagine. Number two, I referenced those run-throughs just a moment ago. If you look at TCU's defense, they are not huge. They are not physically imposing, but I'll tell you what they do a really good job of. Their guys up front, all right, Horton, Williams, Cooper, a handful of others that all play in the rotation, they do a really good job of occupying offensive linemen, and they allow their athleticism at the second level to run through and create plays in the backfield. If you look at how those guys hit it and time it, and they time it from depth, you're not used to seeing this, by the way, especially not in the SEC, not with run-throughs quite like this. A team that does a lot of movement and a lot of speed, Missouri. Missouri gave Georgia a lot of fits in the game that they played a couple months back. So watch out for D. Winters as he's going through. Watch out for Jamoy Hodge as he's going through. Watch out for Johnny Hodges as he's going through. These guys will trigger and they will trigger quickly. And if Georgia's offensive line is not aware of them coming after him at the second level, that could lead to negative plays and ultimately get you out of goal number one, and that's staying on schedule. Number three, you absolutely cannot turn the football over. And that that goes with that. TCU is more capable of overcoming a turnover, I think, because... They're just a gunslinging bunch that's going to do what they have to do, and they'll fire their shot, and they'll give up some points, but they're going to get some points as well. But they thrive when they turn over the opposing offense. Stetson Bennett's got to be smart with the football. Had a bad decision against Ohio State that led to an interception, which ultimately led to points. Had a couple other bad decisions in the game as well. Trying to do maybe a little bit too much, not staying within the system as much as he probably needed to. Trying to be a little bit of a hero ball there in the second and third quarter. Now, ultimately, he became the hero in the fourth quarter and played great down the stretch. But that two-quarter kind of, I guess you would say, you kind of lull your way through those two quarters. That's not going to be what you want to see in a game like this. I mean, they, I think they completed one pass in the third quarter last week against Ohio State. So they got to make sure they don't turn the football over. And Stetson Bennett has to make sure he's making great decisions with the football. I think he will. Uh, he's, he's never really been crazy turnover prone. But I do think in an environment like this where he's wanting to step up and make a play and continue to prove people that he's one of the best players in America... He's got to know what he can get away with and what he can't and what a turnover could potentially do to his team. Number four, you got to involve Brock Bowers. You absolutely, without question, have to involve Brock Bowers. Now, he got involved, obviously, last week, finished with 60 or so receiving yards. TCU's seen really good tight ends. JT Sanders at Texas. They've they've seen a bunch. Actually, there's some decent tight ends there in the Big 12. They've seen some good ones. There's no doubt. We all know that Michigan had a couple good tight ends, not at 100% throughout the course of the game, guys in and out. But either way, they've seen some good tight ends. They haven't seen one quite like this. This guy is a completely different animal with the matchups that he can create and the problems that he can cause a defense with some of his catch and run stuff. Even if it's just thrown right out there on the perimeter, one yard throw, he could take it the distance. So you have to involve him from the very beginning. And then finally, who's going to be the guy along you know, this Georgia offense that steps up? Yeah, I mean, we always, it feels like every time Georgia's in a national championship game, there's a guy that steps up that you think they might have an impact. I remember back in 2017, it was Mecole Hardman. Guy had a ridiculous game. 
Last year, there were a handful of guys that stepped up in that performance. Stetson Bennett probably being the one that no one really expected to step up the way he did and ultimately won the game. This year, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Rosamy Jack Saint? Is it going to be... You know, uh, is it going to be Arian Smith, who now everybody is aware after what he did in the semifinal game? Are you really going to put him on an island? Probably not. So, is it going to be maybe an injured Darnell Washington comes back and has an impact in the red zone in a way that we might not expect? So, who's going to be that guy? Find him, identify him early, and continue to feed that dude as often as you can. So those are the five things for Georgia. And then for TCU defensively, I don't have five. It's very simple to me if you're TCU. Use your athleticism to your advantage. Okay, You're very athletic in the second level. We talked about it for a couple days now. I think this is arguably among the most athletic groups at the second level in all of college football. These guys can run. All right, Use that to your advantage. Georgia's seen athletic linebacker cores. They have Tennessee as a very athletic linebacker core. A couple others in the SEC that they've maybe been exposed to. Ohio State, not so much. But either way, this is probably the most athletic linebacker core that Georgia's seen all year. Use it to your advantage. Two, when you have opportunities to lock down these Georgia wide receivers, do it. We all have seen what Arian Smith can do. We've all seen what A.D. Mitchell can do. We've all seen... At times, what Lad McConkey can do. These are really underappreciated wideouts, I think. I don't think they get enough love. I don't think they get enough credit. Everyone talks about Bowers. Everyone talks about the tight ends. Everyone talks about the run game. Everyone talks about Stetson. These are good wideouts. Good news is TCU has an elite back end. They are very good. With Trey Hodges Tomlinson, who's excellent. Josh Newton, who I don't think gets enough love, but is very, very good in his own right. And then you have the three safeties and nickel that are all very, very good at their respective positions, whether it be Kamara, Clark obviously played big, came up big in the most recent game. Bradford's been great. Perry's had some moments as well. So I think in the back end, they got to do a great job in coverage because they're probably going to be forced to play in isolations quite a bit because I think TCU is going to sell out against the run. I don't really blame them if they do. And then finally, they have to create a turnover or two. Reference the fact that a huge key for Georgia is to keep a clean sheet as far as turnovers are concerned. Well, if you're TCU, the likelihood of you going on long, extended 10, 12 play drives that have to go 75, 80, 85 yards downfield, that's going to be extremely difficult. So what they need to do is they need to make sure they give their offense the short field at least once. And that can be defensively or that can be special teams as well. They got to give their offense the short field on more than one occasion because short field is massive against a defense like this. That's excellent at all three levels. Everyone seems to think this thing is very lopsided as far as talent is concerned. I disagree. Georgia might have more NFL players, but we're not playing in the NFL right now. So I think it's going to be a terrific game. You'll have to stay tuned for Monday when I make my championship game pick. And of course, you got to stay tuned all weekend because we have tons of coverage from the City of Angels out there in Los Angeles, California. Let's Talk About It is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. 
Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, let's get into some prop bets. Can we? We got some guys out there. We got some numbers. Now, double check these because as we approach the game, these numbers might shift. They might adjust. But these are the ones that we could find right now. Some, by the way, kind of stood out, not necessarily in a good way either. I'll tell you about one or two that kind of jumped out to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, wait, what? How? we don't even know if that guy's going to play. And yet he's got those kind of odds on an anytime touchdown. All right, we'll roll the dice on that. But here. Let's get into a couple that jumped out. Maybe we can make an early play, find a little value before the line starts to adjust. All right, let's start with receiving yards, okay? A couple that jumped out. Brock Bowers right now, last week, his over-under receiving yardage total was 58.5. Right now, it's at 61.5. I like the over at 61.5. Why? Because I think that Brock Bowers is the best weapon offensively for the Georgia Bulldogs. And... Like I referenced a moment ago, I don't know if TCU's seen anyone quite like him. And that's not a, a knock on anyone that TCU's seen. There's a lot of great ones that they've seen up to this point. But ultimately, this guy's a little bit of a unicorn. So I think they'll feature him in a bunch of different ways. And I think that his length will give TCU some fits. I also like the over for Tay Barber. Tay Barber's total right now, as far as receiving yardage is concerned, is 36 yards. I was surprised by that. I think George is going to do a pretty good job of keeping Quentin Johnston in check. Why? Because he's a great player. How could you not? Of course, he's going to be at the all points bulletin for Georgia coming into the game. And I looked at his number at 86. I'm like, man, that's a lot of yardage knowing how much attention Georgia's defense is going to pay to their number one receiver. So that opens the door for Tay Barber. He comes at the 36. I'm taking the over of 36 yardage. And also from a receiving yardage standpoint, I referenced you know, the fact that maybe those receivers are excellent. We know those guys are good. I think they're going to get some run. One guy that's gotten a ton of run all year long in receiving yardage is Kenny McIntosh. His number is 32 and a half. I'm taking the under. Scored a touchdown, obviously, against Ohio State. I think they'll be prepared for that because when he gets out in the passing game, TCU does a pretty good job of tackling in space. I think they're going to do a good job of keeping him contained and not allowing him to create yards after catch if he gets out as a wide receiver. All right, so those are the ones we like as far as receiving yardage is concerned. Let's go to rush yardage, okay? Max Duggan was the first that we addressed. I'm going under 29 yards. 
A lot of people like the over here feel like quarterback run has to be a necessity. Understandably so. I get that as well. It's the last game of the year. Run him until he drops. If he has to carry the ball 25, 30 times, why not? Yeah, I'm good with all that. But guess what also factors in in college to rush yardage? Sacks. I think George is going to get home a couple times. So I think it might be very difficult to get to that 29-yard plateau. Shoot, you might look at it. He might take one sack for minus 18 yards. That could make it really difficult to get back into the green when trying to assess the numbers. Under 29 would be the side I'd lean with Max Duggan. Dejon Edwards for Georgia. His rush yardage total, 47 and a half. Felt like this was a little bit low. Kenny McIntosh, by the way, 64 and a half. I think Edwards might get a little bit more run in a game like this. He's really solid back. A guy that I rely on could not find one for Milton. I don't know why they don't have a posted right now, but he'd also be a guy I'd consider taking the over on. So I'm taking the over on Edwards. I don't know. He's at 47 and a half. I don't know what Milton would be. I'd consider the over there and I might take the under on McIntosh at 64 and a half. So I think they're going to spread the ball pretty evenly. I think all those guys could be in the mid fifties when it's all said and done. All right. So that's where we're at right now as far as rushing yardage is concerned. Another one that I kind of like, anytime touchdowns. I always think this is kind of fun. If this guy finds the end zone, you get paid, and you can find some really good value with some of these as well. Kendall Milton, the aforementioned Kendall Milton, right now plus 290 to get in the end zone. This dude's a big back. He's a bruiser. You don't think he's going to get some touches inside the goal line? If they get into a goal-to-go situation, you don't think he's going to get some runs, some opportunities? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. McIntosh is going to get plenty. A McIntosh is like minus 190 to score a touchdown. If I can get McIntosh minus 190 or Kendall Milton plus 290, I'm taking Kendall Milton plus 290, especially if he gets into the open field. He's a big body back that's going to be difficult to bring down. I wouldn't be, be surprised at all if he found Pater. Another guy that I like with value as far as any time touchdown is concerned, Max Duggan plus 125. I would take that. I think in the red zone, especially as the field condenses, that's when quarterback run takes a bit of a, bit of a front seat with everything else. It's harder to throw it down there. It's harder to stretch the field vertically. You almost can't stretch the field vertically. So what do you do? You got to rely on run game. Max Duggan's been a pivotal piece of their run game all year long. And I think that he'll be a pivotal piece again, especially as the field condenses against the best defense they've seen all year. Another guy that I'm rolling the dice on, and I don't know if he's going to play. I really don't. But right now, I can get Darnell Washington at plus 260 to score a touchdown. I think if he plays, he scores. Now, he might be a decoy. In a lot of ways in this game, especially if that ankle's at less than 100%, still don't know, like we've talked about, if it's a high ankle or a low ankle. Either way, it's going to be painful. It might be a pain management situation. Either way, TCU, I can tell you what they haven't seen is a tight end like that. 6'8", 270, especially in the red zone. Throw it up high in the back of the end zone in a one-on-one situation. Anytime Darnell Washington's on the board as an anytime touchdown, I'm probably taking it. I might have lost this year, but either way, I'll roll the dice knowing what he's capable of. Another one I like, the first touchdown scored. Max Duggan is 13-1 to on the first touchdown scored. Why wouldn't I sprinkle a little dust on that? I think he's going to score anyways. And if they receive, they get down there, why wouldn't he have a chance to potentially get one? And at 13-1, to it feels like an awful lot of value when taking that into account. Let's go to passing touchdowns. I'm going to take the under on Stetson Bennett at one and a half. This is paying plus 139 right now. That's part of the reason why I like it. I look at the juice. Everyone and their brother thinks that Stetson's going to light it up through the air. Well, I think that Georgia is going to try to run the football down in the red zone. I don't know if they're going to get loud. And they might create some big plays like they did against Ohio State. 
but I still think that they're going to get their numbers on the ground. I like the rushing totals, like I've talked about already. I like the touchdown opportunities for the backs. I don't love the passing game as much because TCU has proven to be an elite pass defense, including a guy that won the Thorpe Award and Trey Hodges Tomlinson. Let's go to Max Duggan. I'm going over one and a half touchdowns. I think it's the only way they stay in the game. I think they're going to have a very difficult time running the ball consistently against the Georgia defense. So they're going to have to throw it. And if they're going to make the game close, and maybe I'm looking at it through a perspective of, I want the game to be close. I think Max Duggan has to be over at least one and a half touchdowns. Plus it's plus money odds right now. I would take that for sure. And then let's get into receiving touchdowns. Here's the guys that I would like to lean on big time. And you're going to say, Greg, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you just told me that we don't think that that you know Stetson's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. Well, I think if he throws a touchdown, it's going to Lad McConkey at plus 175. Lad McConkey's been quiet. He's been banged up. He's been at less than 100%. I think this will be an opportunity to potentially get the ball to him, maybe on a jet suite, get him involved, played minimally at times this year. I think Lad McConkey's an explosive playmaker still, even at less than 100%. If they're focusing a lot of attention on Brock Bowers, if they're focusing a lot of attention on Arian Smith, I would be if I were you. And if they're focusing a ton of attention on A.D. Mitchell, well, guess what? That allows for some opportunities for Lad McConkey to create some space in the open field and to create space in a one-on-one situation. I also like Jared Wiley. You're going to say, hang on a second, Who? Jared Wiley, the tight end for TCU. I don't think he's going to get a lot of yardage, but I do think with his length, he could be a problem in the red zone. I'm going to take him over 0.5 touchdowns. You're going to say, wait, hang on a second. What? It pays plus 550. Like, tell me I don't take a risk on that. Like, yeah, I'll take a risk. Paying plus 550 if he scores a touchdown. Why not? Let's take a risk. (laughs) So that would be one that I would consider as well. Tay Barber. I already referenced the fact that I like him a little bit earlier. I like him over a touchdown, over 0.5 touchdowns. That pays plus 270. And then finally, Brock Bowers. I think there's going to be an all-points bulletin on him in the red zone because they know how good he is in the red zone. So I would take the under of 8.5 touchdowns, partly because of the value. Minus 150 on the under. That's by far the best value on the board, assuming he doesn't get in the end zone. I think he could have a huge day. I just don't know if he's going to be able to find pay dirt because as that field connects, they know exactly where the ball is going to go. And it's probably going to go in the direction of the Mackey Award, one of the best tight end in college football. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
All right, we have a great lineup in store for you. When we get out to Los Angeles from the national championship game, we're going to have David Pollock. We're going to have uh, Sam Ocho. We're going to have, hopefully, we'll have Jesse Palmer and Joe Tessitore and RG3 and all ty- kinds of fun stuff. Plus, in addition to that, we're going to have great players from each university. We're going to have Ladanian Tomlinson join the show. He's going to do a live Q&A with us in front of a live audience over there in Los Angeles. And Eric Zier will also be there as well. Obviously, former quarterback for the Georgia Bulldog has been on the Georgia Bulldog radio network for a while now. So nobody knows the team as well as EZ. So we look forward to our visit with those guys. LT and EZ, man, what's better than that? Should be a lot of fun. But before we get to the game on Monday, we have a very exciting game coming your way. Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, it's the FCS National Championship. North Dakota State seeking their 10th FCS Championship, their 5th in the last 6 years, and their ninth since 2011. So, or excuse me, their 10th since 2011. So it could be very exciting if North Dakota State can ascend on Fresco like they usually do and find another championship. South Dakota State, meanwhile, their 2nd FCS championship appearance. They lost to Sam Houston State back in the springtime in the 2020 championship. Remember, that was kind of a a roundabout weird year there because of COVID, but it should be very exciting nonetheless. So excited to see exactly how that thing goes. I think when you look at it, man, South Dakota State, they beat North Dakota State back on October 15th, but they're 0-4 against North Dakota State in the FCS playoff games. When you look at these two teams, North Dakota State, they are unbelievable on defense. Guess what? So is South Dakota State. These two teams ranking in the top eight in almost every important statistical defensive category. All right, opponents points per game, South Dakota State gives up 15.4. That's third. North Dakota State, 18.4. That's fifth. Opponent yards per game. South Dakota State giving up just 264 yards a game. That's second in the FCS. When you look at South North Dakota State, 317 yards a game. That's eighth in the FCS. And then finally, turnovers. Turnovers obviously massive in a game like this. North Dakota State, one of the best in America. They have forced 25 turnovers this year, and South Dakota State's forced 23. So both of those rank in the top 15 in all of the SES. You look at Isaiah Davis, that's South Dakota State's star. He's rushed for nearly 1,350 yards this season. That's the ninth most in a single season in program history. Now, Davis has rushed for a touchdown in nine straight games, and right now in North Dakota State, giving up 148 rushing yards per game. That's 45th in the FCS. But then again, think about it. They're usually playing with the lead. Not a lot of teams trying to establish the run. So maybe South Dakota State can do some of that early. I think this game's going to be a low-scoring slugfest. How could it not be? Look at those defensive numbers. And you look at how both teams try to control the line of scrimmage. Just talked about what Isaiah Davis has done. Well, North Dakota State has 49 rushing touchdowns this year. That's tied for the third most in a single season in program history. And if you look at their most ever, it was 54. That was back in 2018. They've had 50 once and they've had 49 twice. So they're at 49 right now. If they can score five, which I don't think is likely against South Dakota State, they would move into a program high all time in a tie with the 2018 team. So should be a phenomenal national championship game, y'all, but it's the FCS 
and it's the championship. Do you really think I'm going to pick someone other than North Dakota State? Honestly. Look, I love what South Dakota State's done right now. I love how they've played this year. I love how both teams want to stop the run. I love how both teams want to establish the run. I love how both teams know how to play against each other. They are very familiar with how to attack one another. But if you really think I'm going to pick against North Dakota State, against a team that resembles them in style, in a national championship setting, I think you're crazy. Give me the bison and give it to me every day of the week. And twice on Sunday, they'll be playing on Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern time on ABC. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's been awesome talking about national championship game, not just between Georgia and TCU, but also hitting the FCS championship game as well. Keep it locked in here at Always College Football for more updates throughout the course of the weekend, whether it's on ESPN's YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, please subscribe, please rate, and please continue to give us feedback. Hit us up on our social media at AlwaysCFB on Instagram and on Twitter. That's going to be a great place to interact with us this weekend. We'll be doing a lot of stuff right there since we're all going to be in the same place for really the first time ever. So it should be a lot of fun to follow us there throughout the course of the next 72 hours. And make sure, make sure you check in on Monday for more national championship breakdowns from some of the best minds that have covered the sport all season long. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll be back this weekend right here on Always College Football because Always College Football is brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey, guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.